0: Part three and final of session 79. Let's finish talking about the significator of the mind. Let's begin. It is a chilly morning here in the forest of Pennsylvania and I'm ready to talk about this final part of session 79 where we're gonna to touch I think for the first time the last archetypes in the cycle of the mind and we'll get to significator transformation and great way so uh, quick recap we have been talking about the uh, conditions before the veil um, the as I sort of broken down uh, the implementation of the veil and then post veil which is what we know right now and we we left the last question I should should have read it at that point because that that was the, um, the turning point into the archetypes. Uh, But there was no information anyways there. In any case, I promised I was going to read it again so we can go from one part of the conversation where they were still talking about the the conditions of the veil or all that conversation about the veil and then moved into the archetypical mind, which is what we're going to discuss from now on. So that's all. Um, Again, I will probably say once more that Um, My interpretation of the archetypical mind is not one that is fully informed, like some people have been doing for a long time. But I have had enough interest to kind of understand it from my own point of view. So if anything, just see it as um, a teasing for you to get into the archetypical mind on your own and with the few people that are actually doing this um, publicly. So that's up to you, of course, to find the information which is really scarce um but is there um okay um oh i should say that the only person that i know in english that does this on youtube is uh you'll find her as foul-mouthed spiritualist and just look her up and she's been doing some work and Without further ado, let's start with a question that I read last time, but I will reread again so we can get into the uh, the material that is due here. So in question 34, Don asks, Okay, at the present time we are experiencing the effects of a more complex or greater number of archetypes, and I have guessed that the ones we are experiencing now for the mine works or work as follows. We have the Magician and High Priestess, which correspond to the Matrix and Potentiator, which have the Veil drawn between them, which is the primary creator of the extension of the first distortion. Is that correct? And Ra answered, we are unable to answer this query without intervening material. So, we need more information and I don't know what it is. I think it may have to do with the drawing of the Veil and the extension of the first distortion. Um, which, yeah, maybe, I don't know why they didn't talk about it. I think we'll discover something here as we go into the last archetypes of the the cycle of the mind. But again, we'll see. Why do I say this? Because Don basically said, uh, the magician and the high priestess correspond to the matrix and potentiator and that the veil is drawn between them. All of this is true. And I think the last sentence where, they, where he says the primary creator of the extension of the first distortion is this drawing of the veil. So maybe that's where there is intervening material and there's something that Ra could have said but they didn't. But all right. We'll find out, I guess. Question 35, Don says again. Okay, sorry about that. The next archetype, the Empress, is the catalyst of the mind, that which acts upon the conscious mind to change it. The fourth being the Emperor, which is the experience of the mind, which is the material stored in the unconscious, which creates its continuing bias. Am I correct with those statements? And I don't know why I moved to my face, but is to rather we want to draw our attention where they say, though far too rigid in your statements, you perceive correct relationships. There is a great deal of dynamic interrelationship in these first four archetypes. So uh, again, Don is being rigid in his statement uh, by, I guess, stating specifically that uh, the Empress is the catalyst of the mind, which Acts upon the conscious mind to change it. Um, yeah, I mean, it. it yeah, I, I suppose that's why also Ross says that um, that Don perceives correct relationships, but it's a little bit too um, too rigid. So there's more to explore, which is what Ross says: the dynamic interrelationships of these four archetypes. So, in in practice, right? Let's let's leave the uh, the study material on the side for a moment. In practice, there is a um, a cyclical process, right? Of being conscious, the conscious mind being aware of its environment and that environment is not the physical alone obviously but mostly actually the thoughts and images that we have in our in our mind so that's the conscious mind what is aware of and there is the unconscious mind which has the diagram let's say of what's happening and that is producing catalysts this This inability to be able to read the diagram in the unconscious mind produces catalysts which, uh, when processed, produces experience that can be fed to the significator. So you see, there there is a cycle going on there between these four archetypes and that's what Ra describes as uh, dynamic interrelationships in these first four archetypes, which again are the matrix, potentiator, catalyst, and experience. And yes, it uh, the correct relationships, as Don says, is that uh, catalyst acts upon the mind, but in which way? And experience is the material stored in the unconscious, which creates its continuing biases or bias. But uh, how does that happen? You see that there's a lot to explore in the different relationships that are between all all these archetypes and again I think this is mostly a structure that we should meditate on you see and the way I see it is that we can understand that the mind is a a dynamic process of subject and objects that's essentially what it is creating biases uh, from the subject-object relationship that it perceives so it's a sort of filter for uh, the infinite consciousness, the, the fool, the one intelligent infinity, to filter itself through and see itself from uh, a subject-object relationship. Period. But of course, there are many parts in this system, and I'm just simplifying it in a way that is subject-object relationship. But that's what happens. That's what the mind is there for, to create this um, this duality of subject and object. And from there, we get the experience of um, acting, acting as independent agents of uh, reality. Although we're not independent, we're completely interrelated, but we act like we are independent. And that is the beauty of the creation. So again, it's just something that we we should ponder upon and just sit in meditation, to see how the cycles are working. And the more we know about the, uh, the system of the mind, the filter of the mind of the one consciousness, the, the easier it is for us to relate to it and understand the processes. So, all right, let's mover, Movamosnos. Question 36, Dan says, Would the Hierophant then be somewhat of a governor of or sorter of these effects so as to create the proper assimilation by the unconscious of that which comes through the conscious? Uh, Ross says, although thoughtful, the supposition is incorrect in its heart. Don seeks clarification, says what would be the Hierophant? And Ra says, the Hierophant is the significator of the body. This is a mistake that was later corrected, and I'll talk about that. But it should be the mind. So the Hierophant is the significator of the mind complex, its very nature. We may note that the characteristics of which you speak do have bearing upon the significator of the mind complex, but are not the heart. The heart of the mind complex is that dynamic entity which absorbs seeks and attempts to learn. Okay, so first the correction. Um, They said body, and it's supposed to be mind. This was corrected in uh, the next session, in the opening um, monologue or statement that they make. So it was corrected to mind. And I think it was due to a pain flare, as they usually describe it. I don't know, we'll see next time. But you'll see that they meant mind, not body. And the Hierophant is, is of course, part of the cycle of the mind. So we're in the clear there. Now, Don had stated that the Hierophant uh, was the governor or sorter of these effects so as to create the proper assimilation by the unconscious. And yeah it's it sounds mm, sounds similar to what I would say um, but I see the significator as the the persona that is constantly changing you see it helps to see that the catalyst catalyst experience transformation and great way where present in the past prevailed prevail there was just significator and then matrix and potentiator so there was clearly a simple dynamic between these three archetypes and the significator was the one that is always changing due to the interrelationships between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind which were in veil and they had full access so to speak so it was mostly a uh, reaching out to the vast potential of the unconscious the conscious mind was just reaching whatever it wanted to, the unconscious, and that's why Ra called it a vast potential for for magical abilities, prevail. But now with the veil, things are changed. And so uh, that's what the significator is. In our practical experience, the significator is that's, that which we associate with Uh, the most it's the story right that we tell ourselves and you can see how the story is changing all the time not from moment to moment but from era to era who you thought you were uh, a year ago five years ago ten years twenty years ago keeps changing this is due to the cycle of the mind so even though you have always meant to call yourself you or I what I is always changes or what I manifest itself as and you interpret to be always changes. So why do we attach ourselves to identities now in the present? We become aware actually that we are a changing um, subject of experience, a changing witness of experience. And that's fine, you know, there's, there's peace in there, there is not this Uh, fear or worry about the changes. You know that the nature of reality is changing and you are not that. So you simply sit in the peace and relaxation of knowing that you're just uh, the one experiencing everything. But in any case, we do associate ourselves with the story that we're telling and that's important. You see, it's not to say that, oh, you're not the mind. You are not the body. You shouldn't pay attention to the mind and body. This is uh, non-duality taken out of context. And I can't stress this enough. You are meant to reunite, that's what yoga is, you are meant to reunite with the mind and the body. And the only thing that changes is the identity, who you thought you were. Um, You are no longer fooled by the changing aspect of Maya, the illusion. See? so. Uh, the significator will continue its process and it will distill the most harmonious personality that you can um, you can engage in having here and using it for the practical purposes of service to others. Um, assuming you are in this in this path, which you should be. otherwise I don't know why you're here, <laughs> but hello to you as well so that is what the significator is uh what is what does ra say well that's what the significator is for me (laughs) Uh, we may know that the characteristics of which you speak do have bearing upon the significator of the mind yes but are not the heart right the heart of the mind complex is that dynamic entity you see that last paragraph that they say is important so they're saying basically to don uh, great, you know, it's a, it's a good observation, but the heart of the mind complex, which is a significator, is that dynamic entity, see, they, they call it an entity, which is, absorbs, seeks and attempts to learn. That's describing the, um, let's call it the alive mind, the alive aspect of the mind that is in the seeking, in the learning and the one that is absorbing or digesting uh, the, the experiences, right? So that's the significator is that, that one entity that we associate ourselves with without being it because we know it's always changing. Um, so it's that, that, that playfulness of experience constantly defining and redefining the self as a manifest itself. But don't forget, there's a a thin balance there between the identity of ourselves with the significator and the usefulness of knowing the significator as it changes. So, let's move on. So Don in question 38 says, then is the hierophant, the link, you might say, between the mind and the body? This question, I think it's a little off because what Ra said as the body. So Ra responds unaware of their mistake at this point, And they say, there is a strong relationship between significators of the mind, the body, and the spirit. Your statement is too broad. But again, this is uh, this is not Don's um misperception or anything it's just because they said the body right in the last question they said they said the hierophant is the significator of the body so Don must have gotten confused and obviously said uh, so there's the link between the mind and the body and funny enough there is a huge link you know between the significators of body mind and spirit so if anything it's just a funny coincidence right that the, the mistake Brings this up because there is a strong relationship, yes, between all the significators. They are the personas that we are associating ourselves with on the spiritual, uh, bodily, and mental aspects of ourselves. So, yeah, uh, we can obviate, obviate this question because it's due to a mistake. So, let's move on. Question 39, Don says, let me, let me skip over the Hierophant for a minute because I'm really not understanding that at all and just ask you if the lovers represent the merging of the conscious and the unconscious or a communication between conscious and unconscious. Ra says, again, without being at all unperceptive, you miss the heart of this particular archetype, which may be more properly called the transformation of the mind. Okay. Don will seek clarification again and says, "Transformation of the mind into what?" Ross says, "As you observe archetype six, you may see the student of the mysteries being transformed by the need to choose betwixt the light and the dark in mind." So, lovers, I think this is the one where the male uh, character in the Tarot is like this, with both hands on, uh, on the opposite side, and touching the positive and then the negative to female characters on the sides. And it needs to choose, because at this point, the experience has brought the mind to Basically, choose. See, the choice is the important part here. It doesn't matter what you choose. Uh, we become very judgmental about the negative beings here. And what we're doing is just becoming judgmental against ourselves. <laughs> uh, deep parts of ourselves that are still uncovered, but yet yeah, still part of ourselves. And that's the nature of the conflict, if I can put it one way. If you look down to the bottom of it, you always find, let, let me just talk about polarity here because I I think it's uh, it's important to mention this you find a lot in ourselves let's not call out anybody or let's not externalize it in ourselves we find a lot of conflict this conflict is in people shouldn't act this way the world shouldn't be this way we are dissatisfied with people in the world here's the thing nobody can support you on that only you of course you know you may go on the internet and find a lot of people that will support you only to find out later on that they won't support you in other things that you have in mind (laughs) so uh, you're disappointed the truth is that anything that you are against is um is that Let's just put it at that point. We, we, at the surface level, we're only against something that seems external. People and situations. Things in our lives that are dissatisfactory. And so, when we start to see and say, well, it's not really people. It's not really situations. I start to learn this. And I go back to myself and say, well, why am I feeling this way? Why, Why am I feeling... All worked up about it, and why do I feel that there is a conflict there between me, you know, my idealistic view of the world and people, and them? So I need to fix that. So how do I fix that? Let's assume you find a way in which to fix it, which um, in my method is just becoming aware of what you are and what you are not um and you fix that you see now what is the result of this fixing what you're fixing is perception and when you fix perception you realize that what you were against with people and situations in the world was yourself in other words you couldn't um you were limited in your own identification and that causes stress that is the, the reason why we feel emotional about it because we think we are against the world and people or in conflict with or they are in conflict with us, however you want to see it. There is a discrepancy there that we at the core of our being, we feel and we say, I mean, we don't say it consciously, but unconsciously there is a voice saying, we don't like this. And if we can let that voice speak, it would say, we don't like it because we are fighting against each other, not each other, um, against myself. In other words, you're not accepting that you are this. You see, you want to go to another universe where things are more idealistic. You want to go into your own imagination where things are better there. And don't open your eyes to the world because you have separated yourself from it. So at the core, this uh, this tension that we feel is due to that. It's due to the conflict of me not accepting that I am everything, including the people who rape children and who uh, do evil things and I don't know, insert all kinds of um, disgusting and horrible things, which again, it's not a case to say we should Uh, promote all of this because as the creator that's another thing taken out of context Um, and I won't get into the details because there is a reason why there is a positive morality and there is a negative morality Uh, but there is a deeper knowledge or knowing of the self which goes beyond all of this which I won't get into again because it's a a long topic why am I saying all of this? because we... We're at that point of choice in polarities with the transformation of the mind. And transformation of the mind needs to choose polarity based on its own biases. So the significator may change. And so this change into polarity will um, improve. That's why I said it doesn't matter what we pick, negative or positive. Because what we want is to feel certain about our true nature. And even the negatives have a very strong uh, understanding of their godliness, their divinity. Only that is a separation. Whereas the positive knows very well its divinity as the everything, the one, the allness, and doesn't have this conflict anymore. You see? So the transformation is that. Um, There is a choice between light and dark in the mind. Uh, That's the transformation of the mind. Archetype 6 or the lovers. Let's move on. Question 41 Dunn says, would the conqueror or chariot then represent the culmination of the action of the first six archetypes into a conquering of the mental processes, even possibly removing the veil? Ross says, this is most perceptive. The archetype seven is one difficult to enunciate. We may call it the path, the way, or the great way of the mind. Its foundation is a reflection and substantial summary of archetypes one through six. One may also see the way of the mind as showing the kingdom, kingdom of fruits or fruits of appropriate travel through the mind in that the mind continues to move as majestically through the material it conceives of as a chariot drawn by royal lions or steeds. At this time, we would suggest one more full query for this instrument is experiencing some distortions towards pain. So finally, we arrive at the archetype, the last archetype, which is uh, the great way of the mind. You see, at this point, the significator is um, is changing. This is where the choice has been made and there is the possibility of the significator, not the possibility, but the certainty of the significator uh, changing. So, um, what does Ross say? One may also see you no, know, they said something else before this. Uh, great way, it's foundation of reflection on substantial summary. Of archetypes one through six. So, as far as I understand it, this again, this is not the end of the evolution, but um, the reason. Right? We we go through all these processes. We we want to change the significator. In fact, the significator is always changing and wanting to change. To um, this is. This is what people confuse as improvement. Actually, we can call it improvement and that's fine. Um, But when we start seeking improvement from the point of view of scarcity, for example, I'm not enough and I need to improve, that's a sort of cancerous um, mentality. And I've seen it time and again because we, and I, when I say it, I've seen it, I've seen it mostly in me, and then I see it reflected in others because, not reflected, but I recognize it in others because I've, I've lived it myself, in which you feel that you need constant improvement and you're seeking that improvement. Um, whereas the calm mind knows that changes are happening and these changes are welcome. They are not to be uh, sought after as a sort of, I need it because I'm incomplete. Because you're always complete the way you are. That's why we call it perfection. You are perfect the way you are. And it's unfortunate, or let me put it two ways. It is unfortunate and at the same time, it's fascinating that we have so much of this in our culture right now of seeking improvement this is coming from our uh, indoctrination of remember you are a being a human who needs to learn and become better at life because life is tough and you have to uh, study and you have to graduate and you have to work and you have to save for retirement and for the college of your kids and whatever else your culture is is telling you that you must do. And then we get into spirituality and we say, I want relief from all of this. And you find yourself trapped again into, you need to do this for your energy and you need to practice that. And you don't know how to meditate, so you need to practice for uh, decades and you will become better at stilling your mind and so on so you see just like before in the physical you're improving whether you study or you don't you will get along with life as long as you're happy you will find ways to enjoy life and find money and find uh, relationships and find objects and everything will come to you You see, Um, but if we think, you know, we are producing those changes, what a stress, you know, what a a weight on our shoulders. And likewise, when you get into spirituality, you start thinking, oh, now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Now I have to practice this and that. I mean, if you feel like doing it, that's okay. You can do it. Just don't think you're getting something out of it that you don't have already. That's the, the cancerous part that I'm talking about allow it to change your life whatever it is that you're doing and you stop doing it great you know you just got the best out of it so that that is the way in which um i see the great way it's just that happening of the changes in the significator of your story of what you feel you are Um, successfully this creates of course a um in my view, a happier or joyful life. That's is why it's called evolution of the mind. And will continue to happen. You're not the same person you were before. And you won't be the same person you are now. Get with that and you you're fine. Know that this is the process of the mind. And you're just here to experience it and explore it and live it so much you know for having all that stress in our physical and spiritual lives right it's just the processes of the mind to perceive itself as something new and it wants that it loves that now in terms of the evolution of the mind, we of course are talking about the should i call it the um the beauty of enjoying transformation enjoying change that's what the cycle of the mind is becoming more satisfied with what you are which if you have been following me it's not accepting who you are because when you accept who you are you change <laughs> so now you can you have to accept that so it become a task right No, just be always happy with what's happening right now because you can't be fully accepting of yourself right now because when you do that you change (laughs) so now do i need to accept the change me yes but when you do that you change again so acceptance it's not something that you do it's what you are so when you stay there and you say oh right (laughs) acceptance is what we are and you stop you know um wanting to change then all of a sudden you accelerate this changing process from a third point uh (laughs) i think it's just funny how this works um from a uh, third person point of view people would look at you and say my god how much you have changed (laughs) what have you done you say nothing (laughs) i'm just here enjoying life i'm just sitting here Enjoying what happens. Um, of course, you know, the, the person that you have changed is the one that was wanting to change. You know, that uh, I find it hilarious. I'm sorry. I don't take things seriously because <laughs> I just enjoy him too much. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's ironic. It really is. The um, more you try to change, the more stagnant you are. The moment you abandon this seeking of wanting to change, wanting to improve, suddenly everybody looks at you and say, wow, what a change, I want to be like you. (laughs) At that point you say, stop trying to be like me and you will. Uh, I love this, I really do. So. Yeah, that's that's to me what Gradeway is um, is that part of the arch- the archetypical mind which um, it's um, it's registering the changes in the significator right is constantly finalizing the cycle of experience and catalyst to um, let me, let me add in here the adept that Rock calls, because the adept is the one that is doing the work, whether conscious or unconscious, on the archetypical mind. Or rather, the archetypical mind is working in a more efficient way, let me put it that way. Uh, the archetypical mind is working more efficiently as the adept becomes more interested in spiritual seeking. And as the adept, Uh, moves on in its experiential continuum then the um, the acceleration of this of this process is it it goes more into the great way now what is the adept attempting to do as raw says the adept lives more and more as it is raw says Which means the adept is um, relaxing its own seeking. It's becoming more accepting of reality. So all of this, it's bringing us back to the stillness of being aware. Just becoming aware of your thoughts, of your emotions, of your reactions, is that Timeless suggestion to be more calm, to be... Did I use the word acceptance too much already? To be more accepting. That is the the invitation, right? The age-old invitation to, to be more accepting of reality, to be more still in your mental activity. And when I say mental activities, not trying to still your mind because who's trying to do it, but the one that wants improvement. No, just enjoying the stillness of the mind whenever you see it. Whenever it's, you spot it, you say, oh, there it is. See, and you just, you let your thoughts go and ramble and so on. And then suddenly you get another moment of flashing. You say, oh, there it is, the stillness. Become, become aware of that. So that is, um, to me, the, the great way. Um, there's a lot more to say, I'm sure, but that's all that comes to mind right now. Uh, what else did Ra say? One may also see the way of the mind, or great way, as showing the kingdom of or fruits of appropriate travel through the mind in that the mind continues to move as majestically through the material it conceives of as a chariot drawn by royal lions or steeds. That's a lot of poetry right there. At this time, okay, well, that's, um, you see, all of this is picturing a landscape, a panorama of how we perceive ourselves, right? It seems to me that these words of majestical, uh, drawn by royal lions or steeds, you know, this. This whole, how, how, how can somebody feel, you know, in, in a moment like this? I mean, somebody who enjoys this, of course. I would feel pretty awkward, you know, being drawn by a royal lions or steel, <laughs> majestically. But in um, within context, you know, somebody who feels like this, um, it feels magnanimous. It feels like it's, you know, the king of the world. Um, not on the negative side, but I guess you could also see it that way too, right? You can feel like I am the one dominating life. The feeling is the same as saying, I am this whole thing. You see? Isn't there beauty there with the, the negative and the positive, right? The negatives feeling, I am the owner of this universe. Whereas the positive is saying, I am the universe, the feeling is the same, only that two different approaches, <laughs> and you can see the divinity in both then, um, so uh, I like it. I actually like it. It's a very poetical way of describing the feeling of how the Great Way um, allows this transformation of the mind to feel more itself. That's the pur- the, uh, the purpose of the evolution of the mind. And again, we're no strangers to this because we have seen ourselves change. But here's where judgment comes in because there's a lot, a lot of the self-judgment as to what I have become, what I could have been and so on. This is catalyst, as Ross says, that has gone awry because everything that has happened in your life has transformed you into this and everything that you have been in the past has not been worse than now. It's been perfect at the time. You see, let me give it last um, analogy here, which is the evolution of species on earth. Can you possibly say that a bird right now is more majestic and perfect than a dinosaur or a, I don't know, an amoeba? You cannot, because all of them have been perfect for their environment. And that is evolution, not of the planets, but of the whole universe. You see, it's a perfect uh, moment. It's a the perfect persona for the moment and the environment. And you are becoming that every single day of your life, every minute, every thought, everything. So follow this and you will see what I mean. There is no way to say that I will become better No, you're perfect for this moment right now. And you will be perfect for the next moment. That is true. But you were also perfect in the past. So why seek perfection? Throw that out of the board. You see? So that's it. That's my analogy. Hope it helps. Last pregunta or question. Uh, I think it's the last one, right? Yes, 42. Don says, then I will just ask for the one of the archetypes which I am least understanding at this point, if I can use that word at all. I am still very much in the dark, so to speak, with respect to the Hierophant and precisely what it is. Could you give me some other indication of what that is, please? His confusion is warranted by Ra's um, error by saying the body too. Sarah says, you have been most interested in the significator, which must needs become complex. The hierophant is the original archetype of mind which has been made complex through the subtle or subtile, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, subtile movements of the conscious and unconscious. The complexities of mind were evolved rather than the simple melding of experience from potentiator to matrix. The mind itself became an actor, possessed of free will and, more especially, will. As the significator of the mind, the hierophant has the will to know. But what shall it do with its knowledge? And for what reasons does it seek? The potentials of a complex significator are manifold. Are there any brief queries at this working? Beautiful. Beautiful way to describe the significator, once again. Now, this is... uh, general significator or do they go into the mind yeah they go into the significator of the mind which really is the portal in which the body and the spirit are perceived right and so i would say that there are an extension of the same processes of the significator of the mind or at least they are affected they're all interrelated actually so it's just one one thing (laughs) let's put it that way so we don't break it down so much so, The Significator, I gave away already a lot of the, the stuff that is here when I talked about The Significator as being the actor, the uh, the persona that we see changing over time, and Ra says, okay, first... Um, the Hierophant is the original archetype of mind. You can see the mistake that they made already uh, here because they said the Hierophant is the archetype of the body. So there's there's confusion there, of course, but um, it's, it's clarified even here indirectly by saying the Hierophant is the original archetype of mind, whereas in the last question or the other question they said was of the body. And so it has been made complex because of the subtile movements of the conscious, uh, through the subtile movements of the conscious and unconscious, which is the veiling process, and that's what made it complex. The complexities of mind were evolved rather than the simple melding of experience from potentiator to matrix. not completely sure what they mean there, but I would say that the complexities of mind were evolved rather than the melding of experience potentiate and so I guess that was what was happening. That's what was happening before. Right? Rather than the simple melding of experience from potentiator to matrix. And they were complexified complexified into uh, the rest of the archetypes. And all of them becoming complex of course or the significator at least. Then they say the mind itself became an actor. Possess a free will. Now, important here because we have been talking about the extension of free will. Here is where it is. Because when you become an actor, right? Imagine before you could not become an actor because hmm, everybody knew who you were. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, everybody saw through the veil, or rather, no veil, through the conscious mind, unconscious mind, and said, oh, You can't fool me. I know we are the same. Whereas now I can become the actor and say, I am Gabriel, and who are you? You know, because you don't know your unconscious mind. I don't know mine. We have um, this, uh, this this beautiful interplay. Um, do I get it right this time? Uh, you know, it's appropriate when this rabbi said, if I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then... Uh, I am I and you are you, is that what it, I get it confused all the time, <laughs> I have to look it up again, because it's so confusing, um, yeah, if I am I because I am I and you are you because you are you, then um, I'm not I and you are not you, yes, it is, um, it is this beautiful, um, let's say differentiation between us that makes us actors right and that's that's what extends the free will of the logos into ourselves and Ross says more especially will of course there is a will to seeking and that is uh, I mean free will is is it's a given but then the will I guess is the most important part for the significator to to seek. As the significator of the mind the hierophant has the will to know but what shall it shall it do with its knowledge and for what reasons does it seek well that is the potentials that exist of this what we are you see thanks to this archetypical mind we have the variety that we have here on earth perhaps that's why um, there are so many seeking um, to be incarnated here because it's such a beautiful filtering of the one infinite consciousness. It's a beautiful experience. And I think what we yearn the most, especially as humans, is to be happy, right? We're, we're seeking that happiness. It doesn't matter how you put it. You can be in relationships. You can be addicted to substances or activities or practices and uh, you may seek all kinds of relationships it doesn't matter how you seek it and all we're seeking is happiness so with that in mind and finishing session 42 let's bring happiness to conclusions i think it is a fair way to say that uh no matter how we, we color it, no matter how we uh, paint it, what we're seeking is happiness. Now happiness, let me define it as not. There is a happiness with no opposite, that's what we call joy, Right, the simple sensation of we, we also associate it with peace, okay? These are the same thing, by the way. Same thing, which is you. But before I get ahead of myself, let's just keep defining happiness or joy or bliss. There is a peaceful nature in this happiness. You know, it's not an ecstatic happiness. It's not an exalted state. Uh, it's not something that gets you excited, see those are unsustainable states, which are nice because normally they are they're sought after and this is, you can see this in your own experience, you can see this is the giveaway, when you seek these moments of ecstatic, uh, it's because you have been depressed at some point, in your day, in the hour, in your life, just look them up, they're there. These depressions obviously are causing a valley which wants to peak and that peak comes in some sort of um, object and subject relationship. As we are attached to these subject and object relationships, you will not find everlasting peace, you will find peace at the ending of the depression or the valley or happiness at the, that's why i call it happiness without opposite because it's it doesn't require an other for you to experience this happiness that's the thing the subject object relationship seeking as happiness has collapsed into you now how do i know that this is true well experientially i can say that i have been down there and i tell you something it's not difficult it's the easiest thing you can do when you go there you validate and you say oh yeah this this is this is it this is the happiness that everybody talks about this is the peace and so the question follows up as well if that's what you're seeking Right? then why are you seeking something else? Why are you seeking that somewhere else, rather? If you are it, then why pin it to some object where you become the subject and that object is the carrot hanging in front of you? This peaceful happiness is what the mystics call love, true love. Not the love that has an opposite of dislike. See that's a different thing. We should define these terms in our language. There is like and dislike, and that's fine. You know, I can't just like every food that I eat. I have to have some preference. I enjoy that. That's part of life. But love, love should be unconditional. And you see, you preserve your likes and dislikes. You don't have to release those. See, nobody likes pain, so that's okay. You don't have to enjoy pain. (laughs) That's what the ascetics were doing in the past, uh, thinking that the more pain they inflicted in themselves, emotional, uh, physical, the more numb they would become. And so they would be in that non-opposite Uh, joy of life. They all fail. The one that failed the hardest was Gautama Siddhartha, the Buddha. And in his failure, he found enlightenment. (laughs) So why, why do that? No, unconditional love is simply the nature of your being. It's what you are. It's not something that you do. So again, my conclusions are not surprising into the seeking of the self, which is, again, what Ra was suggesting all along. Know yourself. But with this, I come to the end of this episode. Um, I appreciate you for following up to here. If you're interested, especially, uh, let me put it this way. If you feel that you have been, so far, absorbing a lot of content, information, and you identify yourself strongly, you relate, you resonate to all, to a lot of things, not only say the law of one, but everything else, manifestation and you being a wanderer and all of this. That's one thing. Two, is that you want to put it into practice. You want to live this, right? And three, you have identified that that is you but you still have issues and struggle trying to identify it in you then let me know go in the description to my instagram and dm me that this you qualify with all these three things and let's talk about how we can do this together because i come from that same sequence of having all these three things and that was my, my process of ending the seeking, to find it within myself. That's why I always talk about knowing. knowing the self is the biggest gift you will get because you are the creator. Knowing yourself as the creator, there is no bigger realization in this lifetime. In living it, it's a different story. So thank you again uh like i said description let me know we'll talk and if not i'll see you in session 80. the 80s are back this uh yeah i think we're gonna have about two parts at least because they're all long so two parts session 80 we'll see but until then take care be happy be joyful i'll see you in session 80.